Hey everybody, welcome to We Got the Beat, the podcast devoted to teen movies of the 80s and 90s. And uh, this episode will be discussing Footloose and Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I'm your host, Michael, and the other side is Mindy. I just want to sing the song now. Yeah. Um, there was an argument that came up. Oh, that song. We were, um, yeah, that one. we were discussing something. That, well, it started off as a post on Facebook. Um, about music that annoyed you in the 80s. And someone said that Cindy Lauper sucked and they could not stand her. And they were like, do you just mean girls just want to have fun? Because I can see. I can see maybe that song's annoying. Um, But her other stuff is amazing. So I can't imagine that you think everything that she did is annoying. And he goes, no, every single thing that she's done has annoyed the crap out of me. And we're all just like talking about this in the break room. Like time after time, uh, true colors, you know, she bop. Uh, uh, the brilliant Roy Orbison cover. She I did. don't trust someone who doesn't like Cindy Lauper. Yeah, sorry. I like Cindy Lauper more than I like Madonna, that's for sure. And look who sold more, damn it. Oh, yeah. I feel like there was so much more sincerity. Yeah, well, Cindy everything Lauper. Madonna does is uh, calculated, and there's nothing sincere about that. So, it's just yeah, weird. Yeah, that's totally off the topic of what we're supposed to be It is about. not, yes, because her biggest hit is okay. the title of one of these movies. <laughs> and she would not license okay. her actual song to Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Aw, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, she said you could do a so cover, a, but you couldn't I mean, take her song. It was, a, it was a, you know, it's a pretty fun movie. I don't think that she would be ashamed. No, I don't if know what it was. Maybe I think if they had... I'm guessing it's because it was a low-budget company, and I'm also thinking that maybe they couldn't afford for the whole, you know, the original song, that they could, you know, pay half the price for a cover, maybe. But pull me up the cash to get the whole thing. Yeah. No, I think, what's, okay, so for the longest time, I always thought that Girls Just Want to Have Fun was boring. We saw this at the drive-in. Do you remember this at all? No, absolutely not. Um, we went to a double feature of Just One of the Guys and Girls Just Want to Have Fun at the drive-in, Summer 85. Hmm, okay. Well, I mean, five-year-old me was probably sleeping through most of this. Probably. I think you stayed awake for this one, but you fell asleep during the second movie. Um, and I always thought it was the boring one, and I tried watching it uh, maybe 10 years ago, and I made about 20 minutes in, I got distracted, I never made it back. And I watched it this time, and I realized what it's supposed to be. It's a love letter to teen movies of the 50s and 60s. It's, it's innocent and sweet and wholesome, uh, without being uh, tongue-in-cheek, you know, you know, like the way Back to the Beach is. It's sincere, and yes. I think maybe that's what's off-putting to some people, is that it is so sincere that it comes off corny. Yeah, I can see that. You know, it's like, it's almost like the TV show American, what's it, what's it called? Uh, oh, Dreams. American Dreams? Like, American Dreams? Yeah. Except for that, it was, it actually took, it was supposed to take place in, you know, the 60s or whatever. Right. But, um... But I can kind of see a similar vibe between the two. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I picked... I didn't... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I didn't really think about that when I was watching it, but in retrospect, that makes a lot of sense. It's it's the, it's a love letter to that. It's also kind of a love letter to, hey, let's put on a show kind of thing. Even earlier than that with like Judy Garland and uh, Mickey Rooney. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And clearly, though, the reason this got greenlit and the reason Sarah, uh, says Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker got cast is because of the hit from the previous year, Footloose. Because I just don't believe that this would get me. Because in the 80s, we were dance crazy. We, we've had Fame, which was a hardcore drama, um, which I'm a little nervous to watch again for a future episode because I remember some uncomfortable yeah. ones. It's not like the TV show. Um, and uh, Footloose and, and Flashdance. And all of a sudden, we were all dance crazy for like the next few years. And Dirty Dancing. Right, Dirty Dancing. And there's a lot of them that didn't take off, though, which, which like Girls Just Want to Have Fun was a bomb but found an audience later on video. But there's so many, like, in its yeah. way. The one you haven't seen, I wish I could find a copy for you, is called The In Crowd. It's very similar to American Dreams. It's set in the 60s, and they're trying to get on a TV show, and they have a competition, and it's, it's really sincere, and it's a lot of fun. Hmm. Um, Sounds great. I have a weird, I mean, I guess, no, it's not a surprise to you or anyone who uh, knows me very well that I pretty much will watch any movie that has, like, like that are musicals or, based, you know, like, situational about musicals. Uh-huh. Like, I even sat, you know, I sat through a bunch of years of Glee, even because of the, like, that, even though it was terrible. But, um, but I think a, a guilty pleasure that people don't know as much is that I, I really like movies with dancing, too. <laughs> well, let's just say we spent many Saturday nights watching Roundhouse. <laughs> and, uh, people say that's the worst show that Snick ever had, and I will argue no. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a sucker for it, too. I don't know why. I mean, I was in theater, and you were in theater, and, uh, uh, oh, damn it. What's the musical group you're in? Uh, Choir? Is that it? Is that just, I thought it was Varsity Singers or something like that. I wasn't in Varsity Singers. I oh. wasn't good enough. Oh, shit. Sorry. Uh, I just opened a wound. Sorry, I was in college by the time I, this came around, so I missed most of it. It's a little bit of a wound because I only I auditioned and I didn't get in, but I suspect partially it was because we were poor. Uh, whoa! Because okay. also it cost a lot of money for, like, the costumes. And stuff. Oh. But also, you know, I, I'm not great under pressure when it comes to performing, so whatever. It's fine. I don't care. The, I was the, still nominated... In my in the senior my senior year most likely to be an actress. Oh really? How's that going? It was. <laughs> it's going so well as you can see. Yes. I am now a librarian. <laughs> hey, yeah, at least you're helping the community. <laughs> um, True. Uh, I pretend to give a shit. Does that count as acting? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, <laughs> it really does. I I, pre- I pretend on a daily basis to not be an introvert. So, <laughs> I think we're doing great. The um, it, it's funny is I didn't know I, none of us knew this at the time that uh, most of the cast was going to turn out to be stars. It, it's actually oh quite impressive God. for such a low budget movie. We got uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, uh Shannon Doherty. Not saying that, did not I did it? I did it again. Michelle how many times have I said it? How many said? How many times have I said it? You, Three you times. Already said it twice. <laughs> oh, shit, <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, Shannon, Shannon Doherty, and I'm gonna feel really nervous now if I ever say it again. Helen Hunt and Jonathan Silverman. Uh, it was interesting too because there were some people in it that I was like, okay, it, it's so unimportant, but it was still interesting to me that like, okay, you've seen most of the episodes of the Gilmore Girls, right? Or at least like a fair amount. Uh huh. Yeah. So there's like this guy on the sh- on the show. His he's like the contractor. His name's like chuck or something 
I don't know. His real name is Biff in real life, I swear to God. But uh, when I was watching Girls Just Want to Have Fun, I was like, oh, fuck, I recognize that voice. And it was like, it was like the her male counterpart's dad. Oh, okay. And I was just like, oh, that's weird. You know when you sometimes, like, uh, character actors that you don't even notice until they're older, and then I was like, oh my god, this was like 1985! <laughs> Uh, the uh, the, the her, detail. It was funny. Yeah, her her counterpart is Lee Montgomery, who he never really had anything like. If you look up his name on uh, the Google, it's not going to show you any projects you're really going to know outside of this. He's just one of those working younger actors who did a bunch of uh, TV shows and, and lower budget movies. But I'm curious about something. I can tell when they're cutting away from Sarah Jessica Parker when it's her, and then when it's her stunt double. I can't tell yeah. when it, is he a dancer? Is he legitimately dancing? Because I couldn't see the stunt double. You mean she wasn't? I mean, I understand that she wasn't doing all. Of yeah, the she wasn't doing the flips. They, they did a lot of complicated stuff actually in that movie, but I mean, she's not a dancer. No, I'm Why sure she had. No, no, I'm sure she has some. Was on Broadway. Right, I was gonna say she has some training, but I don't believe she's pulling off. You can always tell when they're doing a, a cutaway to a stunt person is because they always keep the yeah, face yeah. away from the camera. And usually when they do yeah. landing and stuff like that, they'll cover their face in some way. Yeah. Maybe he was a Patrick Swayze wannabe. Maybe. Um, or anyone was so crazy about Patrick Swayze. <laughs> the, um, was it? I think she had just come off of Square Maybe. Pegs, and then she did Footloose, then mm-hmm. this. So she was just kind of making her way. But I feel like she disappeared for a long time, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she was in L.A. Story and Honeymoon in Vegas, and everybody's crazy about her. Um, maybe it was because she was in the car with... Nope, never mind. Oh, I know what you're talking about, and, uh, yeah. It wasn't her. I don't think it was her, though. No. Um, I think it was Jennifer Grey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a thing. Look it up on Wikipedia. Something happened badly in 86 with Matthew Broderick. It was ugly. Yeah. Anyway, um, I can't remember if I read anything about that or not, but I mean, she did stints on Broadway. She was in Annie before, you know, she was Annie on Broadway when she was a kid and then did a bunch of others. I mean, she's done a bunch of stuff, but I don't, I don't remember if there was an explanation for her taking time off or not. I mean, plain and simply, she looks like she's about the right age to go into college, so maybe that's what she did. Maybe I don't know. The um. You know she would she would have been a good in, in Dirty Dancing if they hadn't gotten Jennifer Grey. Oh totally yeah she, it's she has that like same like naive innocent thing going on. And you know there's no way we're not discussing Dirty Dancing. Eventually we're going to get to this. <laughs> okay good. I think I, think, I got a lot of things to say. There's a special section of teen movies that are so heavily music oriented, and in this I feel like the the two decades of the show that we're covering. Music was just as important as the actual plot. It was a character of its own. Oh, for sure. Like, when I was watching Footloose, I was, like, still one of the best soundtracks ever. Yep. I don't know how many times we listened to that soundtrack on tape, but, I mean, I bet still some of the best-selling movie soundtracks came from the 80s. Oh, totally. still are high up there. I mean, can you, I can think of a movie in the last decade that had its own original songs that were made for the movie and then it sold well. I mean, I feel like every song now is, hey, this is the greatest hits collection of the th- songs you grew up with. 
That's all I feel now. Yeah. Mostly, or Drake. I mean... Or fucking Drake is in every trailer. <laughs> oh, I was going to say um, Pitbull. Oh, okay. I don't... I, I don't every I... time I'm like... I'm like, is that Pitbull? And like 75% of the time it is. <laughs> The, uh, I don't, I, I gotta tell you, I don't remember any songs from Girls Just Wanna Have Fun except for the, the, the title song, which is a cover. Um, this is mostly a dance competition movie for the, uh, that's kind of like its driving point is, uh, you know, it's another one of those outsider kind of thing. Like, oh, you're from a poor family and the rich girl who comes in and she's got all these connections. She's going to pay her way off. She doesn't have to audition or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche that always works in teen movies when you have the outsider. Because I'm pretty sure it's real. Yeah, the class warfare. I mean, we know for a fact that things just can get totally thrown out of whack when you move to a new town or, or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to say there's definitely similar vibes to Dirty Dancing for those reasons, too. Like the class, is the classism uh-huh. and the, um, the, like training montages and stuff like that like there's a lot of similarities yeah well that's also a cliche of the 80s is the montage and i will take every month i'll but take I mean, i'll take montage of the movie if, if you offer it but who started that i mean what movie really you think is responsible for that cliche rocky i've been trying to figure it out i feel like rocky's oh, yeah, the first movie to ever do sense. a montage yeah that's true um can are we are we ready to move on to Footloose? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really to say. This is a harmless movie. It's not great, but it's better than I remember it being. Yeah, you know, I honestly don't remember. I didn't remember a thing about this movie. I definitely thought, I mean, I think I've seen it before, but I thought it was something very, very, very different. Yeah. Like, I remember teen shenanigans, yeah. but that's the extent of it. Like, it was very different than I um that I thought. I mean, I, I, I think that it it has good repeat value even, you know, you know how you look back and you're like, oh, God, this does not hold up. Like, <laughs> no. it was fun. Well, I think and that's I a lot of... Was, we're going to run into this on the show is that a lot of these movies that were sex-oriented are going to be uncomfortable, yeah. and this movie and Footloose yeah. just basically skirted by. I, I get uncomfortable when I watch movies like Revenge of the Nerds going, oh, Jesus, I don't remember that. Or you start thinking about oh. it like, oh, that's terrible. So that's the problem with a lot of teen movies is they just don't hold up because times have changed. You know, that's that's the thing is that even stuff that's not that old, like we, no one's gonna even know what we're talking about except for you. Like we finished watching the loop. Uh huh. And every episode, we're like, oh my god, these jokes would not be acceptable right now. Yeah. Like at the and that show's not even that old, you know. No, it's what twelve years ago, maybe thirteen. This is this is so inappropriate. Like, but uh, but yeah, I'm thinking about stuff from the eighties, the eighties and older movies. You're just like, oh my god, yeah, this makes me hurt inside. Well, and, and yeah. also, so these are, neither movie uses language that would make me squirm. Yeah. yeah, so these are both two two movies that hold up. I think you're right, partially because you know they are they're clean. They're just like happy you know, mostly fun family movies that do have, like, you know, real conflict, but don't, um, don't get too mature at the same time. Right. And, and I think a lot of these movies, because there's a religious aspect in both of these, and I think it's kind of a call and response to 
this is the early 80s. Reagan has taken over. The new Republicans are the old hippies. You know, they're, they're yuppies who want to be successful now. A lot of it was very conservative. So a lot of what was going on was, look, uh, metal and horror. Those are the new punk rock and other rebellious things that the kids are interested in. And at the same time, you have fighting on the other side or people wanting to uh, uh, ban this music and, and, and movies and uh, you know bring back an old way of living. You can never really go back, though. And, and that's a big struggle in both movies is, you know, she's a, a goes to Catholic school. She's not supposed to talk to boys and she's not supposed to go to the dance competition. And a lot of that's in Footloose as well. Actually, that's the main plot point in Footloose is um, fear. As a fear is a huge part of it, too. And, and, and trauma, well, the trauma in Footloose drives everything. Right. I mean, it's, it's, uh, at the same, it's at one point outlandish, but also on the other side of the coin is totally understandable how they could get to that point. The only part that like, like really threw me was when <laughs> at the beginning they were talking about a book that they were, they were trying to ban from the school or whatever. Uh-huh. I forgot now what it was. It was Slaughterhouse-Five. Slaughterhouse Five. Okay, I knew it was like one of those American classics, you know. And he was just like, "Oh, that's a great book," and they just look at him like he's like grown up, grown a horn out of his head. Yes. And I'm like, "Oh my God, they want to like ban music and dancing and fun and literature. Like it's just insane." But it also takes steps. She explains that it what yeah. was it was seven years prior when her brother was killed in the car wreck and then it was just this oh they dealt with the trauma for a while they kind of withdrew and then they started making city plans on how to prevent this and it's never i mean the the plain simple fact is the answer is never going to be repression it's about education education on learning these are the the things that can happen to you when you're drinking and driving and, and, and violating the rules. Repression yeah. has the exact opposite effect. We, we know this because we've seen so many PKs where, um, yeah. where their, their lives are so restrained and restricted that they just just break out and it's usually, it goes very badly. Well, I mean, it's not like a, every person we've ever met. No, no, but, but... It's understandable yeah. that it happens a lot. If, if you don't, I mean, if they don't, don't know what PK means. He he's talking about preachers kids, and I've definitely seen like totally functional like you know kids that are really totally fine and didn't have that response. But I think that the general thing is is like if you just say no 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 without you know logic and um, you know without the emotional reasoning, then your kid's gonna. Uh, Lash out. Right. Well, I, or become obsessed with something because think about yeah. uh, if you guys don't know, this is my sister. <laughs> I don't think I've mentioned it in this episode, but not this time. I was a very, very scared, sensitive child, but I was interested in monster stuff. That it had my curiosity. I was scared, but I wanted to know why I was scared, and it was repelling, but also like enticing. And I think our mother knew that I had to go very slow steps. And other kids my age were already watching all the Freddy and Jason movies, and they could explain it all to me, so they would tell me stories about it. But they knew well enough to say, well, it's it's not a flat-out no to horror, but you have to work your way up. You start off like the PG stuff, like Gremlins. 
and you know work you know yeah. critters lost boys monster squad you slowly start working you know you get the more pg-13 you get the stuff that's a little bit lighter with comedy and then slowly but i still became so obsessed with horror in the 90s that it was just a constant i wanted to dive into this world but it wasn't necessarily from repression like just hiding and saying absolutely no but there is a way to slowly introduce a person especially if they're sensitive to something and what what they do in this movie is they take everything away especially hard on laurie singer because as john lithgow is her father and he is the absolute guiding light of this town in quotation marks um and the pressure on her is so heavy I, more than probably anybody else in this town not just because she lost her brother because her who her parents are well, to the point, I mean, I think it's a bit extreme, her reaction, is to the point where not only does she want to do every single thing that her family and the whole town tell her not to do, but to the point where she is so rebellious and so smothered that she has a death wish, almost. You know, no, she she's literally, I so believe she truly... dangerous shit. Yeah, so I think when she's riding between the two vehicles, that is testing her limits. But when she's in front of the train later in the movie... I truly believe yeah. that she's trying to throw herself in there, or she's fucking with Ren so much that she wants to test yeah, him. Yeah. Because I, there, you really have to question that sequence if she was going to kill herself. Ren, you did not make a healthy choice for your life with this girl. Know, buddy. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing: like, is every single person in this movie is complicated. There's no pure innocent yeah. person. There's also no pure but villain. That's so amazing, isn't it? Though, because you know, there's. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of character development. I mean, I don't think you you can't can't very often have a good movie if you don't have character development. I mean, although plenty of movies out there don't have that, um, but this really shows truly complicated people, even the so-called villains in the story, who aren't really villains. They're just you know um, hurting people that are you know trying to find ways to deal with that. Um, but like especially. You know, uh, John Lithgow and his wife um, and their their dynamic uh, with each other and with their kid and um, how much they show, especially by the end when they go to the dance just to be able to kind of experience it from a distance. Uh -huh. And they are dancing, too. Like, they end up dancing together, too. And it was just like... You know, they can finally have a little, um, you know, they can breathe a little bit more now, too. It's okay. Right. It's, well, I mean, you, you think in the beginning that he's going to be the villain the whole way through, but as you see like, yeah. these turning points, and a lot of it is because he's terrified. It's not because he's a yeah. psychopath. It's, it's, he's truly terrified, and, and like you said, he lost his son, but he also sees that when the town starts building on top of what he's already said, and they start burning the books, and then... And he realizes what he's done. He's basically turned this just yeah. around the corner from being like Nazis, you know, uh, that that he kind of pulls back, which is a, a realistic, I, I believe, approach. Because he's not one-minded, you know. He, he there's a difficulty to everybody, and, and you know, even Ren, um, our hero, is complicated because he has a smart-ass mouth. He's he's has anger issues. I still I, I don't know if I missed it, but did his father die or did his father leave? Uh, I can't remember either. I admit, I may have blurred out some of my viewing experience because yeah. I've seen it so many times I wasn't taking it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> but um, 
I did think that, like, I don't remember. I think he left, but I could be wrong. But either um, one can cause damage, and he he lets that out in different ways than, uh, oh, shit, Laurie Singer's character, I can't remember, but. Um, um, Ariel, I think her yeah, name Yeah, you're right, Ariel. yeah, yeah. And, Because uh, they all have interesting names that don't make any sense. Um, and then, uh, oh my god, Chris Penn. The only time I think I've ever seen him thin. And he can move. I was truly impressed. His, his, dance, his dancing was... He's super fun and cute in this movie. Yes. Um, and I, I really wish that he could have stayed healthy. Because seeing him here just made I me know. so happy. And then you fast forward ten years to or Reservoir Dogs. You're like, oh, sh oh shit, that's not good. That's bad. It's only ten years? I think it's actually eight years. Um, oh if, my god. Yeah. He just looks like such a innocent like kid in Footloose. There's there's a lot of drive in this too, and I think a lot of it has to do with the director Herbert Ross. He was a very well known, uh, critically acclaimed director. Not no not a whole lot of success under his belt, but he's the kind of guy who really understood characters. And I think with him and the fact that he just had a very powerful cast, this one works better. And I'm not down on remakes. But there's something missing from the leads in the remake. It's still a good movie. Craig Brewer is a good director. And I like the, the change they did in a lot of the characters, but I do believe the two leads just aren't very passionate. Oh, the only person I like in the remake is um, Miles Teller, who plays Willard really, really closely to, uh -huh. the, to the original with Chris Penn's uh, version of Willard, um, and he's really the only person that I like in the in the remake. No, I like um, the uncle. The uncle I really enjoyed. He is not. Um, I think I don't remember that much. If you watch it again, just ch give him a look because they rewrote that character to be much more uh, forgiving and caring. And um, there's a little. The thing that drives me nuts about the first movie is. There is a, a character that is completely flat in one note, and that is his uncle. And I just got kind of tired of yes. how lazy that was written. I was going to say that, too. I was going to say, like, their dynamic was so weird and unnecessary for him. The way he treated him and talked to him was so bizarre. Yeah, and it's weird. I think he's younger than his mother, and yet he kept talking down to her. By the way, is that the mother from Gremlins? I swear you, that's the same mom. And she had a hell of a year in 1984. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought she looked really familiar, but I wasn't sure yeah. who she, who, what her name is. Um, I could look it up, but I'm tired of looking that stuff. Um, let's... Now, how do you feel about the... Okay, to you, is this a musical without actual singing? Do you count the spontaneous... No. See, there's something... The way that they do the dance sequences to me seems very theater-bound. And it's so close to being a musical. They don't sing a note, but the way they dance in this world is jarring. I used to be bothered by this because it's so big. It's so theatrical and dramatic compared to the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, especially when he has that thing where he drives his car into the factory, whatever, and starts dancing around like crazy... Uh, thank you, Hot Rod, for that lovely uh, tribute, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to say that it has something to do with, um, it, I mean, it's an exact response to the repression and um, a quiet 
nature of the, the community that this is the only way that they can uh, express themselves. It is through the dance um, in various scenes. I'm just going to guess it's supposed to be like the emotional foil, you know? Right. It's just, it's very big. It's And, and it's funny, is this is maybe the, maybe Flashdance was, but this might be the first post-MTV movie where you can clearly see the influence of music videos and the way they're shot and the way that they're edited in this movie. Because yeah, you could take sense. chunks of this and put it on MTV as a video and you're good. Makes sense. The uh, I did really like the, that is really the best scene, the best uh, dance sequence though. Especially because it just it plays so much off of his, um, not just the dancing, but his uh, gym, gymnastics. Uh huh. And that um, he is, it's just big. You're right. It's kind of crazy and dangerous and <laughs> interesting. I, I've heard that uh, they actually had the songs first and they built the movie around it. And I can't imagine that's true. You can't usually have a movie this good. When the script is secondary, I, I just think it's just one of those perfect kismet things where they found the exact right songs to work with the movie. That's sorry, I'm reading facts about the movie because it's one of my favorite things in the world is to read facts. Uh-huh. I'm a librarian and I'm a nerd. Um, but it said that Chris Penn could not dance at all, so they <laughs> had to teach him in terms of what he already knew. Which was wrestling. Okay, that makes sense. I don't, I do, I, to me that does not make sense. But, um, so it said that they weren't, those scenes weren't actually in the movie. They added them because they really had to teach him how to dance. <laughs> That's kind of funny. His dance is kind of interesting because it kind of looks like uh, a workout. Not a, not like a, a cardio workout, like what he would literally do when he's training for wrestling. Like push-ups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm and uh rolling and stuff like that but also he's got this weird like i'm putting a shovel to the ground that's my move shovel 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 <laughs> pivot yeah. pivot pivot it's i've never seen yeah. a dance that weird um also i do have to say that i think that the best chemistry in this whole movie is red and willard yes they're like, so they much fun the best <laughs> when they're in the car and they're talking about the police and men at work, <laughs> I just love that scene. Oh no, that made me so happy because I was like, oh my god, I love men at work. They're my favorite '80s band. <laughs> um, you know when they're having the tractor fight, uh, tractor, uh, what do you call it? Like um, a game of chicken. Chicken. Yeah. Yep. When his foot is tied in and he can't jump out, why can't? Why doesn't he just take off his damn shoe? Just kick your shoe off. You're fine. <laughs> panic i guess you're not thinking straight i guess yeah i don't know i have a feeling that everybody in this movie is except for uh sarah jessica parker is clearly in their mid-20s maybe even 30s that that big dude john laughlin the, their friend um that helps protect him oh, no! that guy looks like he was uh, gonna be filing for social security soon he looks so old <laughs> yeah i don't know um the interesting the, I was reading facts about the girls just want to have fun and like uh, Shannon Doherty was was only 13 when they made that movie like she was legitimately like really little yeah well, that's a curse Which though I thought was interesting. the curse of 80s and 90s teen movies is that they weren't going for authentic most of the time they were going for whoever was the right person and sometimes you find out later they were 27 
<laughs> I think Tim Matheson was 34 when he was in Up the Creek, which is a college uh, movie, kind of like a sequel to Animal House, but not. It's just a ripoff. 34 playing a high school, uh, college student. Eh, no. What year did What year did Footloose come out? 86? 84. 84. Okay, I was trying to do the math to see how old Kevin Bacon actually was, and the math is 26. Wow. That's the 80s for you, kids. You could do that back I then. I mean, that's... He, he looked like a kid. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh... He's had one of the most interesting careers because if you look through his filmography, he's had hardly any hits on his own. But he Lori, just... Lori Singer was a year older than him. What? Oh, my God. Wow. Because she had just come off the Fame TV show. Then, That's crazy. Diane, Diane Weist was only like 10 years older than her. <laughs> All right. He, when you look at Laurie Slinger... Okay, whatever, life is weird. Do you see Mark Singer and Laurie Singer being siblings? I used to not be able to see it, but this last time I could totally see it now. Um, I haven't really given it a thought, but yes, I can. I can see it. And also, I thought, you know that, that girl that's like a model that's doing acting and stuff now? Kara... Divinier or whatever. Oh, yeah, like yeah, from, uh... Duh. I think they look they look alike to me. I guess. She looks like Lori Singer to me. Huh. Something about her eyes and her eyebrows. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, well, doesn't matter. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I was trying to remember the movie that she was in, that big sci-fi movie, Dane DeHaan or whatever, fucking Thousand of Lights or something like that. I can't remember, City of a Thousand Planets or something? Oh. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Valerian or yes, whatever? Yes, yes, Valerian. I haven't seen it because, um... That guy gives me the heebie-jeebies, but, um, <laughs> like, I'm not even kidding. I cannot stand him, but uh, it also looks really terrible. But, you know, um, I'm on day nine of quarantine, so I might get around to it if I get desperate. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have quarantine, but on my days off, there's nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. I'm just getting bored. Uh, so I... Right, I mean, it's it's... But mine is forced. Like, I'm yes, not supposed yes. to go anywhere. Yeah, it sucks. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so that's it's it for okay. this episode, I, I think. Uh, we we, have, we didn't decide what we're going to discuss after this because I forgot to discuss it with you first. So there's nothing to tell you guys. It's fine. It'll be... It'll be a surprise. Yes. Um, I, Footloose, though, definitely holds up. I, in the soundtrack, is absolute top-notch. Uh, you listen to Footloose and your feet aren't tapping or you're just a little bit happy, there's something wrong with you. You're dead inside. <laughs> it, dead plays inside. At, it plays at work every single day, and I just want to scream yeah. out and go, Let's dance! <laughs> oh, I know. I love it so much. I mean... There's really so many things that are iconic about this movie now that have been like replicated in other movies. You know, you know how when they in all those dancing movies how they do the like, you know, the people standing on the side and then and then down the center people do their like unique dance moves and stuff. Uh-huh. Like I realized that was probably started with with Grace, but I don't know if that's if I mean this is one of the first movies after that that I remember doing it, but now it's, it's been in so many movies and TV shows, it's just kind of normal. I love that Better Off Dead just completely parodies it, where you think he's going to do some big move and he just collapses on the floor. <laughs> ah, so sad. 
The uh, I love the breakdancing kid too. You watch that breakdancing kid, and it's so joyous. I don't know. There's something about it. It's just like I'm gonna say it. This is overblown a little bit, uh, hyperbole, but it's life affirming kind of movie. Well, uh, we'll take what we can get in these times. No kidding. But it's it's funny is that it's it's it if you define it, it is a religious movie, but not heavy handed and in your face. And frankly, most of those movies are pretty terrible. No comment. <laughs> I, I would talk forever if I was to comment. I yes. mean, there's an undertone. I mean, there's an obvious, but there's there's a reasoning behind it. But I don't consider this a religious movie. Well, I mean, his uh, argument, though, in court is that it's in the Bible, that joyous yeah. dancing. And, and... No, I know. You're right. Oh, okay. Okay, maybe the message. The no, message no, no, no. is life-affirming, I guess. I don't know what to say, but you're right. It's not a religious movie, but that is definitely a driving point in the movie and the fact that he uses the yeah. information to actually further them instead of pulling them back. Yes, I think, to me, the difference is that this movie was not created with the implicit goal of bringing you to believe in Jesus. Right, and it's also not condescending like, or damning. right. It is life-affirming in that way. It can be considered that. And, you know, there's clear, I mean, clear plot points, obviously. But uh, I don't know. To me, that's kind of the difference, I guess. I yeah. Know. All right, so. There's nothing wrong with it, to per se, but. No. Um, and I, I'm going to give this, the remake a second chance. I, I want to see uh, if, if I still okay. get annoyed yeah. by the main kids. But there's just something so magical about Kevin Bacon and Laurie Singer and Chris Penn and Sarah Jessica Parker. Just those four together. And, and isn't she just adorable? Sarah Jessica Parker was so adorable back then. It, it's hard not to be. Oh, uh, she was just so sweet. And, like, like I said, she just had this, like, pure, sweet, naive, naivete like innocence that yeah. made a lot of her early movies and projects like square pegs too yeah just really enjoyable you know what's funny is i was thinking that we could do a special episode where we talk about sitcoms that were set in high school okay yeah sometime so we talk down. about head of the class oh head of the class uh drexel's class <laughs> oh no that wasn't that wasn't high school but th there's gotta be some can i just say that head of the class i think may have been one of my gateways to my musical obsession because i still to this day very vividly remember the episode where they did uh little shop of horrors oh do you remember one where they shot the music video um my future's so bright i gotta wear yes. shades yeah so it's it's, it's a really good yes, show it's on roku guys it was lost for decades and no one had the rights and it's finally up on uh, syndication now Go find it. Head of Class is great. And we'll do an episode down the road where we talk about high school and, and, and college shows and stuff like that. Guess what I'll be doing as soon as we hang up. Oh, 21 Jump Street. Oh, my God. we got to talk about 21 Jump Street. And Beverly Hills 90210. Oh, you're digressing now. <laughs> yeah, wait, I'm sorry. I'll stop. Okay, everybody. We are on okay. Facebook under Video Nights. You'll find all the episodes there. And, Mindy, thank you again for another great episode. Thanks, man. Woohoo! Woohoo! All right, well, people, we're out of here.